Hello, and welcome to the return of Mitten Backstage. Thanks so much for joining with us and for bearing with me that uh, an episode didn't come out last week. I literally had a week full of 14 hour plus days uh, between being in the studio with Earth Radio um, and our guest producer, Paul Clemson, as well as uh, a couple of farewell shows for our drummer, Madison, who's gonna be living in Nashville. And I worked <clears throat> the African-American Arts and Music Festival on Saturday with the only break during the day happening because I played, uh, I accompanied a spoken word poet at Art Prize, um, which is happening right now in Grand Rapids. So I appreciate uh, any of you who were expecting an episode and it didn't drop. Um, I appreciate your patience with all of this. And uh, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm chatting today with Ben Steer. He is a bass player who has recently made the shift back to being a full-time musician. So he is playing with a few different groups like uh, the Hacky Turtles. You've probably seen him with Melophobics this summer. Um, he plays in Bedroom Ceilings with um, you know so many projects in and around the West Michigan area. He is also focusing on uh, his own personal music this fall and winter. So we chat a little bit about artistry and you know how we're both kind of in the studio session musicians, but how we think about you know art we want to produce or artists that we work with. Um, and we just you know catch up because it's it's been a busy gigging season and. We don't always run into people when all of the musicians are on gigs. <laughs> so it was a nice chat. If you liked today's episode and want to support the podcasting efforts that I do, you can head on over to patreon.com slash There you can contribute at different tier levels to get early access to all of the podcast episodes in audio and video format, as well as exclusive merch and more. You can also go to DutcherSnedeker.com to see everything else that I'm currently up to around the internet. And if you dug any of the stuff you listen to or watch, depending on the platform you're listening or watching this on, feel free to follow, rate, review, subscribe, like, you know, there's so many ways to push the content out into the algorithmic universe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it helps every little bit of interaction, whether you leave a comment or a thumbs up or, you know, just share it to your own personal socials. All of those things help the content as well. All right, let's get into today's conversation with Ben Steer. Can you say that again? Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, for the most part, it's been it's been chill um and fun but um yeah how's you're you just if i remember right you said you're like a you're going into full-time music or was that i am yeah i am i am now in full-time music nice. and so far what that means is mostly just that <coughs> excuse me it mostly just means that I'm not like, I don't have another job. And the only job that I have right now is playing concerts essentially, because that's the only, in, that's the only principal income that I have from being a musician. Right. I would like to, um, I would like to explore more ways to make money, 
and I'm getting like a little bit into that. I'm, I have a couple of people that want to be base students, but mm -hmm. I've never taught before. So that's like an obstacle in its own is that I, I need to like learn how to teach if I want to do that. Um, and as it is, I can't really expect very much money from like streaming royalties yep, or anything like that, you know, and there's, there's some other like more creative ways I think I could do, but shows are still very much happening. And there's, so there's, there's a few more that I've got to play this month and a few in October that are going to keep me busy. Yeah. Are you, is it mainly with like a handful of bands or are you kind of like gun for hiring it also? <laughs> it's there's the only like for hire thing that has really been kind of like spur of the moment outside of my regular bands is just like this wedding that I played last week, mm. but I ended up being like a really fun wedding anyway. And I will get into more of that next year. I'm hoping that I can play in some like cover bands and things like that that are going to do the thing, like play three hours at the score and make a certain amount of money here and there. Like it's right. not what I would love to be doing all <laughs> the time, but, um, I used to kind of like, I used to have kind of like a, a, a distaste for the idea of a cover band or a wedding band, just because it's not, it's not the real, it's not the real <laughs> deal, man. Right. It's not. But in a way, it is still the real deal. I still get, you know, I mean, it's still a concert. I still get paid to play the bass. And um, that's pretty much as, that's like, that's as good as it gets right now. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, you know, as, as burnt out as I was from the Blue Water King schedule I had this year, um, you know, it was pretty cool to have, kind of a, it was like a combined way of like catching up with a lot of musicians I hadn't seen in a year. And then, um, you know, having that income coming in to like, you know, I, I signed, you know, I've, I've coming up on a year of having an office at a uh, third coast. And so that's like added to my expenses each month and to have something that's like, Oh yeah, I can, you know, do two weekends of weddings and cover like everything and then everything else is just like whatever i want to add to it or yeah things i want to do during the week um mm -hmm. which yeah you could probably get on the blue water kings roster just from knowing a lot I, of covers and stuff i would i would love to i'm <laughs> i'm kind of trying to make that happen yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i was talking to i was talking to a friend recently about this idea of my friend he, he's an artist he's a visual artist and so he has like his own like painting studio mm. and we were talking about the idea of like you know being a visual artist being a musical artist and how there is a product that people want you to make yes and that product might not be what it is that inspires you right but sometimes you still like have to do that but then there also comes like a threshold where you're able to say as an artist, no, this is me, this is my art, and this is what I want to do. And it really doesn't matter whether or not you approve of that. Right. Because this is, I, I, I want to, this is, this is what I need to do. And I haven't been doing so much of the, I need to do this 
in a couple of years because I haven't been in a, I haven't been in a band that I'm leading the the creativity in in almost it's been it's, we're trying three years now wow um, yeah coming up in October here is the three-year anniversary of the Zanny's last concert oh right mm-hmm. and that was kind of like my last that was that was that was the last project that I was a part of that I really would say was like this is like this is Ben's music you know <laughs> and I have a lot of I have a lot of creative control in like bedroom ceilings for instance but those are not my lyrics and generally speaking they're not my songs right um I come up with my own parts and arrangements and things like that but it's not I'm not sending a message out to somebody in a piece of music and so we were tad we were chatting about this idea of like I need to create the art that I want to make that is that makes me feel like I'm you know whenever I complete a song and I release it I feel like it's like this like little like piece of me this like piece of art that I've completed and I've said this is it it's done uh you know now on to the next piece of art and I and I want to <laughs> be able to start doing that but how do I how do you make the money that allows you to create the piece of art that is like that and I have to spend so much time doing this piece of art yep <laughs> which in in the process costs money yep. costs a lot of money to make <laughs> and then after the product is done it just might not make any money yes. <laughs> it's, there's a great chance that what I'm spending like the next few months of my life doing recording original music is just not going to pay off in a financial yep. way so how <laughs> so i have to spend time making money so that i can not make any money and then not make any money from what what i'm i don't know it's it's very it, there's a dice roll yes. involved yeah it that reminds me of um uh kevin dupree uh he, i don't know if you ever met him when he was in michigan um he played in Brenna and he um okay. had a solo project called Sound is Red that would do like he kind of dressed up like a you know he would wear a suit and a motorcycle helmet so it was like a daft punk-esque looking thing and he would live cool. drum and trigger lights and loops and electronics and stuff um and he kind of rolled that into an educational grant for STEAM instead of just STEM he added arts into STEM and uh would do some school visits and stuff but he got really big into uh sync licensing and him and his wife live in glendale now um, oh yeah a house out there and he was he posted a basically the letter he drafted to the unemployment office in california and was like hey like this you know like being a musician <laughs> you need that time to make a thing and you don't even know when that thing gets made, what it will lead to, like, you'll build new skills, you'll, you know, you'll put out a product, but it's not like, it's not like you going to a job and you have like, oh, I input eight hours of work that affects the company this way. I go home, do it again for, you know, a few hundred more days a year. And it's yeah. like a measurable track thing. It's like, you could spend 
you know, like someone like Charles Bradley didn't get any like mainstream fame until his sixties. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. was like after years of just being a James Brown impersonator. And, uh, you know, and then there's other people like the, the Schultz family that lives in Michigan where those kids have been playing since they could barely walk. And they, you know, their dad had connections in kind of the gospel crossover space and was able to, you know, build a story around them and, and over the years. And like, now they're, you know, Justin Schultz was just at, uh, the life is beautiful event that Jacob Collier put together. (laughs) So, you know, Collier did that. Yeah, he was, it was a jam card event that Jacob Collier was asked to like put together a concert. And so his band played, but then, you know, like, it was like, oh, Eric Moore is on drums and Steve Vai is a guest artist and Justin Schultz sure. and T-Pain and, you know, like just <laughs> put everybody on this concert. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's like there's no there's no linear path to anything in music, really. Like there's linear in terms of like skills and like maybe on the music business end, if you're like working up, a, you know, if you're at like a label or like a, you know, like Live Nation or something. But yeah so much of it is just like you know i'm i'm building the thing i'm gonna get better at stuff along the way the thing will come out it'll either be received or not (laughs) or like maybe it'll be received five years later you know like i remember hopefully that sounds ideal (laughs) yeah it sounds i'm told that i'm told that you're supposed to be five years ahead of your time (laughs) <laughs> in order to make something that's truly it, it if you want to if you want to be that like influential and if you want to like be trendy you kind of have to be like really ahead of the time <laughs> because by the time you get by the time you make the money get the thing the album the recording the piece of art and then you distribute that and then the time that it takes for the world to acknowledge that any of that has even happened Yep. That's a whole nother leg of this, <laughs> of this race <laughs> that is, is just dedicated to letting people know if you don't have, if, if you're not already popular and if you don't have the media, like paying attention to you and a label, right. like pushing your music to writers and things like that. There's this whole leg of like, this is, this is me. It's mine. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. <laughs> listen to it yeah please just buy it it's the yeah it will and and so much of the you know like so much of how i feel like my trajectory as an artist has been i've you know i i like came up in you know like taking lessons competing a little bit doing the music camps you know unintentionally being like involved in a lot of the spaces that you can't be as a a middle schooler and high schooler and in the church scene. And then when college hit, it was like, you know, I was having people who were, you know, two, three years ahead of me being like, how are you getting gigs? And I'm like, what you're about to graduate and you've never like got like tried to get a gig or put a band together or like even a, even a recital. Like if they're like not in a band, like if they're a flute player, like you haven't, programmed music outside of school or something like Mm. so it's it's interesting hearing like i don't know some people who 
you know, like someone like Galen Bundy, who's like, you barely see him, but when he's out there, he, you know, that's his sound. Cause it's like, Oh, this sounds like, you know, if monk was in a, like a doom metal band, <laughs> like that <laughs> nobody else is doing that. And it leaves an impression, but you know, you're not going to see Galen Bundy, like, you know, like you'll see him at Nam. He was at Summer Nam this year, but you won't see him like making this like, you know, very public effort to be like, look at my face, look at me. Right. I'm I'm the front man. It's like he's just mm-hmm. he's that's his artistry, versus yeah, you know, a singer that might like work with producers and then make a band and then put out a few different like Madeline Grant did before she moved to L.A. Um, she was a Detroit singer that I met in the Blue Water Kings circuit and she in like a year and a half just like or maybe it was just two years but uh she recorded she was a featured singer on a song with odessa fkj gary pockets and like a couple other like great placements for a singer and she would dj last year during quarantine so there's that skill set too of like oh she can you know go to one of a million like club restaurant places in LA and just do her DJ thing on the side Mm -hmm. and like continue to network and do stuff as a singer. So yeah, it's like, there's, there's ways to like, you know, like networking and, you know, be good at your instrument or be good at your artistry, whatever that looks like, but there's no, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Success is, I don't know subjective and fluid and it adapts and (laughs) it's wild it's like some days i some days i think i want to just like take off and do like a basement tour and just make like absolutely no money and (laughs) but just play like some like really like grimy aggressive private concerts (laughs) that i feel like that i feel like are really like inspirational to a lot of the people that i want to like spread my music to but like i would also like love to play on saturday night live like that sounds that sounds good it sounds great (laughs) sounds fun (laughs) yeah for a weekend yeah (laughs) yeah i well and i think of like i've i always remind myself how fortunate on my dad's side of the family all my uncles are musicians so i have a lot of examples of like you know, like, oh, one's a horn professor at a college, another's a symphony oboe player, another's a, you know, kind of a jack of all trades, teacher, cellist, jazz pianist, engineer, and composer. And uh, what seems to be the through line between all of them is like, they have their main gig, the thing that, you know, they've worked hard to get to. And they enjoy that as like, oh, this earns me money, I can support my family. I do get other opportunities through it, but then they also have their side ventures. Like, you know, the horn professor uncle also can teach math and the symphony oboe player is an educator and the, the Jack of all trades guy, he's able to like, you know, if he wants to focus on writing for the dance company he works with and travel with them, he can do that. If he wants to play more cello with his like acoustic trio, he can do that. Like, it seems like building skills yeah. and being flexible is like the is the trajectory thing, I guess. 
<laughs> it does seem that way. Yeah. Um, it's easy. To, it's easy to like idealize the idea of becoming famous right. as a way to like only if you because if you really want to like get that like making money from one thing yeah you kind of have to be like you kind of have to be like really popular yep or like somehow get people to pay a lot of money to watch you perform if you only want to do that thing and that yeah. seems like it seems like I ideal for a lot of people but also kind of not that not that interesting yeah honestly. Like I not hugely interested in just being in one band that gets me a lot of traction and a lot of attention. I don't know that. Like, yes, I I want I want my art to like have its time. I yep. absolutely do. But do I want thirty years down the road to be playing my hit songs that I recorded? You know, like in the, this this year next year yeah. am i gonna want to am i gonna want to do that is that is that a path i mean it absolutely is i just saw primus oh nice i just saw i just saw primus do the rush tribute in chicago and let's claypool's like he's totally like one of my he's like an idol he's a complete idol for bass players and for alternative rock people who want to make weird music they're like there's a chance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's if Primus him. can do it, <laughs> Primus makes music that sounds downright ugly. Yep. Sometimes, like on yeah. purpose, and people love it. And yep, you know, uh, and so that's hugely inspirational to me. But I watch him play. I watch him play Tommy the Cat, right? And it was amazing. It was an excellent live experience. And I heard some songs that were really, really old, that were you know, like Tommy the Cat, for instance, was released in 1991. Um, which is 30 years ago. Yes. Long and, time ago. And I know that he was writing and playing that song for a couple of years, at least before that was on before that was on an album. And like and just watching him like deliver that song with just as much energy and gusto and and passion and aggression. As yep. he as he has uh, every, every every single time he's ever played that song, like for <laughs> that many years, like uh, it's a career. Like it's it's uh, it's just really impressive to watch that to to watch that experience and then just wonder like what would how, would I be able to do that? Would I be able to sell that song thirty years down the road? Right. Yeah, would I be able to get on a stage and like find that that initial spark or emotion or thing that like drove me to write and perform this song when it first came yeah. out when I'm a completely different person? <laughs> I guess that helps when you have the same two guys that you're playing with. Yeah. Like you still have, it's still Les Claypool, Tim Alexander, and Larry Lalonde. That's the band. That's, and then... <laughs> For a little while, there was Jay on the drums, but now it's just it's just Tim Alexander, and you just have the band. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Did I think of like my my friend um, is on tour with uh, Blue October right now, and she grew up mm -hmm. listening to that band, and 
Um, a lot of those, I, I think a lot of those members are still in that band that originally made the band. Um, and she, you know, eventually I, I want to have her on the podcast, but we, we've just been messaging. Um, and, you know, I, I see her posts about like, oh yeah, the crew is really great. Like everyone is like, it's like just one big, like, you know, joke fest and family and like people support each other. And I'm like, that's a, that's at least a good goal for like, if, if you're gonna, if you're, if you have a tune that like does hit that spark and like people want to hear it at everything, like finding a way to keep the dynamic of the band strong so that, you know, if you have to go back in your catalog and dig up a song, you might, you know, not play unless it's by request, like mm -hmm. <laughs> you're still having fun with it or like, you know, I think it's a band, you know, like being in earth radio, part of our live stuff that we try to do is, you know, we try to change up something in the song to keep it fresh. Um, yeah. whether it's like adding a harmony or like even recently with, with the song mother's breath, there's the, the, the riff piano riff that Hannah wrote that's at the end of the tune. And we usually just kind of build it out and then let the percussionists go crazy. And uh, in the last two shows, we've made it into like an Afrobeat flavor. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, now we have access to this, you know vocabulary and like this type of interaction and like this is way more conducive for a percussion player like just those little changes helped make that yeah. a different experience than even just you know a couple months ago when we played it <laughs> yeah the collaborative aspect and like that I, I love the evolution of the song in the live setting because it always does kind of like change a little bit how you play the song in the live setting um, yep, and that can be adding the harmony, adding something that wasn't there before, changing your tone, changing the tempo or the groove, like you say, like changing it to an Afrobeat song or changing it to something more Latin or like in the Hacky Turtles we call we call it uh, like a coffee house version. <laughs> if we do it kind of like we do it like laid back, chilled out with like acoustic guitars, that's like the coffee, the coffee house <laughs> version. But yeah. then there's, but then, you know, and you can do that and you can still make it like interesting for yourself and interesting for the audience, or you can just play the same song, the same exact way, exact same song, <laughs> the exact same way for 30 years. You can do that. And a lot of times people want you to do that. Yep. And like Tommy, the cat is, it's the same song. The only thing that was different was that it was, it was like, it was a, it was like a, they, they did mashups. Primus did oh. mashups of their of their hits, right? So it was like Jerry was a race car driver into My Name is Mud, back into Jerry was a race car driver. And then Tommy <laughs> the Cat is like after that. It's like, and then it's got its own, it's got its own thing. But yeah. Either way, I think it really comes down to I think it comes down to the players. Yep. Because if you're not like if you're in if you're in that band and you're and you're if you're jamming with your players like every time it's you're probably you're probably gonna have a good time if yeah. you like playing if you like playing with those people and you like what you get straight out the gate like you know and you all kind of agree like uh, i don't know like do i get bored on stage sometimes 
like playing the same music over and over <laughs> yeah like a little bit but if i have people around me that are engaged and i'm engaged in the music then that like makes all the difference because there were times when i was in the zannies when we would like we would you know kind of play like a similar set list all the time and then there would be these conversations of like well how do we spice things up right how do we make this a more interesting experience for the audience but really what we were saying is how do we make this more interesting for ourselves because we're we're bored we're tired of it yeah right? because the audience ideally say we're playing in a new city the audience is the audience is entirely new and so if you play the same set list in five different cities it's it's going to be a new experience every time for those audience members but right it's always it's always new music to people who have never heard it so you can just you can just do that and play that and sell that set right um and i think that's like that's a pretty smart way to do it if you're doing like a like a big production doing a tour and you just want to do the same show go ahead you know just do the same show it works and then everybody's going to be really tight and just like know everything yeah that uh being in the studio with uh pk uh paul clemson last week he was talking you know he would he would just drop stories about his experience because he's worked with it feels like everybody just it just seems one of those like omnipresent dudes that you're like were you in this like he was talking about like everyone from you know the soul quarians like the badu roots oh you know all that stuff to like the uh i don't know like you know jill scott alicia keys um but he brought mm. up J justin timberlake as someone who runs a show almost like paranoically specific <laughs> like almost superstitiously specific like he's got to have like you know like down to like the clothes and like you know it's mapped out like a musical uh, almost where like yeah here's the script here's you know change the city word change these things you know oh yeah. when i do this walk up to the front and do this turn this clicks all the scenes there's like a, there was like over a hundred scenes on the board for the whole show wow. so you're like you know having all these cues and but you know on the one hand it's like okay so you know exactly what needs to happen and you know how to course correct if something goes weird because there's a template but then you know it might as a crew person you might get burnt out just being like all right i'm doing this literally the exact same thing every yeah. day <laughs> i appreciate i mean i appreciate the idea of like the of musical theater i think that that's a great comparison because yeah. i it's you know having been involved in like some musical projects i mean some some musical theater when i was mm -hmm. a little bit younger it just makes i mean obviously there there's a narrative and there's yeah. a story that you have to tell and there's lines and there's the script and so that all like makes sense like you should say this the same thing so that because there's a story that you want to you want to keep right right and it it can be the same in a piece of music you might not say the exact same word you can improvise a little bit and people allow that in theater from time to time as well but the story like remains the same yep and i just think it's like i think it's it can be hugely advantageous if you're talking about a production that involves you know i mean in musical theater your chorus alone can be 50 people 
and then you have leads. Then you have like 10 leads and things like that. And you have the pit, right? Yep. Now in the context of like a band and you have four people, do you need a script? Right. <laughs> if there's just like four people and you all play together and you've all done it a whole bunch of times, probably not. You probably don't need that. But if you had like 10 people and not all those people are musicians mm-hmm. and some of those people are dancers, for instance, yep. you know, the people that, that take different types of cues, you know, maybe you would, maybe you would need something like that. And that's kind of like the more, that's, that's kind of more the production value that I would like to explore in my own creative projects, like moving forward. Yeah. And well, and, and I, I always, I think about like, you know, definitely younger. I, I had that thought of like, I only have to do like, I have to do original music. And that's kind of what has helped me be able to invest so much time and energy in earth radio is that I've spent a lot of time, you know, figuring out how to stay consistent with that type of work. Um, but I also see the value of like, you know, like with blue water Kings, like you're going to get a lot of the same tunes and that helps, you know, that helps uh, make up for the fact that it's not like a fixed band with rehearsals. It's like, Hey, the band leader is going to send out a set list during the week. You just double check mm-hmm. it against the tunes you played, learn the ones, you, you know, there's probably going to be some requests for the ceremony or, or for the, or, or you know, like the, the first, the first dances dance, and yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, figure it out and you'll add that to your arsenal and, um, and yeah, it just, it builds a different set of skills that can transfer. Um, cause yeah, I do. There's, you know, I'm, I'm about to do another musical with West shore community college, uh, in, um, January, February. And that's, I, I kind of get hired as like the person, the rehearsal pianist, but also kind of like a music director of sorts, like working with the theater director and the band director to kind of sync up like, oh, here's what we ran in rehearsal. Here's what we're adjusting at this part, you know, get everyone on the same page. And um, it's nice to like, you know, sink into that for a couple months which is about all I feel like I can max out on with musicals sometimes it's like all right I've spent two you know like in 2020 before the shutdown it was two months of uh ABBA for Mamma Mia (laughs) so it's just like all right I'm in these songs for two months and I'm never gonna listen to them again after this yeah like I, I I'm really into that I'm really into that idea of the long the long production setup before before the performance before the tour that sounds really that sounds really interesting to me and i've never been able to do that mm-hmm. and it's hard to get sometimes it's hard to get people interested if what you're doing is just rehearsing for something that is not yet a live project or a live experience you know Eight. so the question is like i have this music that I want to perform. And so do I perform the music to make the money, to record the album, to do the album release tour, or do I just record the album right from the get? 
Yeah. And then figure out exactly what I want before and then just release the music and then tour the music. Yep. Like that's, that's kind of like, it's just a lot. It's a, it's a, just a much bigger investment up front. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think, I, yeah, uh, just brought a quick thought of this, you know, this past week recording, you know, we have like five tunes for this new earth radio release that each one's, you know, close to six minutes and or over and um you know this is the earliest in the the process of recording we've done for a record since our first one like the first one we recorded like end of august early september and to have you know a lot of the record realized in three days in terms of like tracking and overdubs like we're going to start doing mixing next week. And if we can get the album, like, you know, at a, like done at a comfortable pace where we all feel good on the same page and can like have a good product ready before the end of the year, that gives us a, a good chunk of time to like start, you know, like what's the artwork going to look like? How do we match it aesthetically yeah. with our promo? Let's get our tour stuff lined up, get everything ready to announce like mm -hmm. for the first time, like finally having like everything kind of domino into each other instead of like, it's like, oh yeah, the album's here and uh, it's it's right there and we're playing uh, these five shows. Uh, I forgot to mention yeah. that. And oh, the single came out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like next week. Yeah, you just drop a <laughs> record and then you say, yeah, uh, we're playing five shows starting today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I need... I need to give people a little more time. I need to, uh, you know, I used to be a little antsy, right? Like feeling like, <laughs> feeling like I like had to release music. I have yeah. to. It's that's what the people they're waiting for it. They're <laughs> clamoring. <laughs> they are. They can't be satiated. The, the my listeners, they can't. Like I'm not giving them enough material. And the reality is, uh. Nobody cares that much. Yeah. They just don't. They just, they, they really don't. And there might be a few people out there that are like really, really just dying to like see more music from your band. Yep. And stuff like that. But like life goes on. And if you, you know, if you don't release the album this year or if you don't, you know, like I'm completely over the idea of like, well, it needs to be finished by a deadline. And if I'm not totally happy with it, I'm just going to put it out anyway, because I said that I would. Right. You know, and I'm, and I'm over that. I'm totally over that. It's like, no, it's going to be done when it's done. And I'm not going to release it if I'm not happy with it. Right. Because I am investing so much time into this product that it has to make it, it should make me happy. Right. It should, yeah. Like a little, it should, I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm 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 not gonna settle for something that's not what I wanted to release. And I'm a big believer in like the take. Right. I'm a big believer in that. And I've and I've come to realize over the years of recording that like if I don't like that sound going into the going into the board of the recording studio, I'm probably not gonna like it on the other side either. Yeah. No matter how much post-production and correction you can do to something like if I don't like how that drum sounds, I'm probably not going to like how it sounds later. It, and I have to do something about that. 
Yeah, I think and people, that might that might mean throwing something away. Yeah, or it might mean redoing something entirely, and that's fine. Yeah, well, and and thinking of yeah that process, I feel like a lot of a lot of studio musician or people going into a studio, I guess in general, they don't realize like you know so much emphasis is put on like oh yeah we have an engineer he's gonna mix it and master it and it's gonna be amazing it's like you it's could make us sound great yeah it's like you could literally have like a killer foundation just by spending a little time picking out the right sounds you know you know even just you know recording individually versus as a band like the difference in the energy of of the recording yeah. like all those things that you don't need an engineer right away for like, Oh, if you just like with with the earth radio stuff, we spent, you know, a couple months like at rehearsals shaping these tunes and we only played out like one of those songs live, but you know, well, I guess two of them, we reworked one of Hannah's, but uh, the, you know, it's, it's not like we were like, playing every song out all the time it, it was mostly in like rehearsals like running through stuff stopping being like oh, how can we make this part more cool oh let's try this uh, no let's try this one uh let's try maybe it's a layer like what if we added vocals oh it'd be cool that like you know just brainstorming yeah versus mm-hmm. like you know sitting there being like this bass doesn't sound good uh do you have a, <laughs> a bass tone yeah better plug-in do you have a bass <laughs> yeah a bass make better a make better plugin. <laughs> a make better plugin. Oh yeah, here it is. Yeah, <laughs> got it on sale. Yeah, it's a Sound Toys plugin. They called the Make Better knob. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. At rehearsal is a perfect time to do that. That's that's a perfect time to, if you're rehearsing for the record. It's a perfect time to experiment with the sound and experiment with the tunes before you get to the studio because you should kind of figure out like. I don't know, unless you have like such a specific idea of your music, you know, you might want your other members to kind of come up with some ideas that might work and they might not work. And it's always better to figure out if they don't work before you get to the studio, because then and and if you don't, you're kind of wasting precious time. Yeah, not only you're not only wasting time of like the musicians, but also the engineers, but just basically the, the time in the studio. So if you already kind of have an idea of like, well, we thought about that and we tried it and right. uh, it didn't, it didn't land. So yeah. We're and going one, with something else. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one thing I, I appreciated partially because you only had three days in the studio to track and Madison, you know, he's now moved to Nashville. So we had a limited time left with the dude who's been rehearsing with the band for months. Um, you know, it, the, the, the way the session flowed felt really good because it gave, you know, like we were able to do a lot of stuff all together. And then there are times where I could step back, where Madison could step back, where Hannah could step back and let, you know, like, Oh, we have Kevin, Justin and PK as kind of the main producer voices with Hannah's input, obviously with a lot of her songs and, and vocals and other effects and ideas she had. Um, But it gave space for us to like, oh, we can all come together, work on something. It's not too many voices and ideas flying around. There's at least some unified, you know, goal with somebody's suggestion. 
but then it also gave us time like oh they like they're focusing on vocals right now i don't really need to be in the room because the vocalists will micromanage the vocals more than me but i will come in once they start tracking and just you know lend another ear of like oh i think i think the middle voice is a little flat like let's isolate that for a second and just double check it or you know mm -hmm. it's like oh let's you know try this out you know just making sure that I'm there when I need to be, but then not always there bogging things down with like, you know, if it, there's already a good flow, it's like, yeah, this is yeah. feeling natural. I don't need to like force in some idea or thing that's not really going to be conducive to the flow of it. <laughs> I imagine that with Earth Radio, there's a, there can be a little bit of a too many cooks in the kitchen type thing happening sometimes. Yeah. There's just a lot of ideas flying around. And one, and I've, I've re resolved like as much input as I do try to give, I, I understand that the main songwriters, like I contribute some songs, but the main ones are Hannah and Justin. So I'm mm -hmm. going to use my vocabulary and, and experience to do like to execute ideas they might have, but also save time in the studio. Um, you know, it's not so much about like, what should I play? It's more of like, all right, jump on the roads and do stuff, jump on the organ and do stuff, jump on the piano. And then it's not just me being like, well, what should I do? It's like, nope, they're hitting record. I'll just play. <laughs> if they like an idea, they'll, t they'll tell me I'll build off of it. Um, yeah. Rather than me, you know, trying to activate like a classical brain and being like, let's write out parts and have very specific like goals um because that's yeah. not how the band operates it's a lot of organic on the moment spontaneity or like oh i liked what you did like there is a there is a i did an overdub on a, a track with piano and i was just doing a little catchy lick and justin ended up liking the the catchy lick that i just did it was like a couple notes with you know and just octaves and he ended up taking that and we like recorded it to hannah's sampler and then let David rhythmically like manipulate the sample in the, the texture. And it was like, yeah, that wasn't me going, Oh, I want this to be sampled. And this is the lick I want yeah. you to sample. It was just like, Oh, this idea inspired this outcome. And that is way better than having to sit there, like, you know, waiting for divine inspiration or something. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is really good. <laughs> it's really nice to have those moments in the studio. I um, I definitely have a little bit more of the classical brain when it comes to that. As, as in terms of recording music, I well, I I want the part right. I want right. the part to be there. Like I want the part to be thought ahead, and I don't really I don't really want to just ask a musician to come in, and just kind of like, well, you're good, so you'll do something <laughs> good. You'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll do you'll you'll have your feature on this album and i totally believe in like giving that to people and if i was going to do that i would just give them a solo mm -hmm. if i and if i wanted somebody to be improvisational and just do their thing i would literally just give them a solo but i wouldn't say track on my song because your note choices are gonna you're not your <clears throat> the note choices are gonna affect <laughs> The whole field, like to me, like the notes or like the individual notes to me are so important. And if there's these like, like 
if there's these like little notes sort of like hanging around in my ear that I wasn't expecting when I wrote the song, it's really going to like throw me off. It's going to yeah. throw off my, my own listening experience. And all of a sudden my ear is like gravitating toward something that's unfamiliar, which <laughs> I also recognize is not the experience of the listener because they didn't know what the idea was to begin with. They're only hearing the finished product. Right. But it still doesn't, it just still doesn't always like sit right with me if something wasn't put in there intentionally. Yeah, that that definitely happened during the session. I remember one one of the songs we the the quality of the dominant chord we kept playing was like a sus 13, you know, like you think of like Earth, Wind, and Fire, like beginning of September, the the mm -hmm. do 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 like that kind of chord quality. And uh like we were having um adam martha is going to be on the record um we had cool. him play some guitar and and there is one of the takes he he accidentally played just a, a c major instead of the c sus 13 and he you know came back and he's like oh, i hit that chord and we're like that's fine <laughs> you, you everything else sounded great so we could just <laughs> either punch yeah. you in or you could do a whole other take sorry <laughs> yeah sorry like 99.99 percent of it <laughs> but then there was like there was a disagreement with like how people were perceiving it because some people were like no i like that and we're like but that does that's not the chord though now you're having yeah. the e rub against the f you're having this like dense more dense chord instead of this more like open sound like yeah and it was it it you know it was probably like two minutes of talking but it felt like you know way too long to be like no <laughs> he, pl like <laughs> he played the wrong. yeah i'm like he played the wrong chord that's fine it you know like that's why we have different chords and they're not all the same <laughs> like you can't have, just be like yeah. oh i'm gonna play a c you know c7 flat nine and you're gonna play a c7 with just a natural nine and it'll be fine it's like no no they're different <laughs> that's tough i don't yeah and i i struggle with that because there are there are always instances in the studio where somebody makes a mistake and then but the rest of the take is really good yep but somebody makes a mistake like somewhere in the middle of it and somebody on the other side is saying hey i think it like i think it works <laughs> Right. Like, I think like what you played was good and it works for the song. And, and I'm always like, I'm not trying to make something that just works. Like I'm not, <laughs> I don't, that's not what I, that's not what I want to make. I, I don't want to get by on, on what I just played. I want to play it correctly. I don't know, but that's, 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 that's my brain. When I'm in the studio, I'm very like, I'm very, pragmatic and not i'm not like the fun creative <laughs> thing i'm i'm like the just play just do it just play the part i'm like the whiplash the part. guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no it's like i wrote this parts for you to play so play it <laughs> i know i don't know i do, yeah. i i try to give people like a little bit of freedom but also, yeah, being being in a being in a recording studio makes me a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> well, and, for sure. and and I get I've learned to find the balance of like um cuz I I like 
the thing about recording is having options for, you know, for down the line. So if like, you know, if there's a written part, which I've been in sessions where it's like, this is the part, do this. And then, oh, well, let's do a take where you're just doing, you're improvising, or let's do a take where you're on a different keyboard instrument and get that color, or let's do a take, you know, where you double the horn line with a synth, like try that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for like the utility that building a song in the studio or the utility of having different options in a studio to build a song um, rather than, you know, like, I guess if it, you know, if it's a bluegrass tune, obviously I'm not going to play like synth unless they're really like, we want synth. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but I am, you know, I like when, it's like oh yeah let me, what if i did double the baseline on a low piano octave like that would add a little extra percussive punchiness to it and a different color that's only there when you blend those two instruments and maybe that's the right sound but i also i also get the part of my classical brain that kicks in is like okay there has to be a thing though like we can't spend two hours on like doubling a baseline <laughs> Like there needs to be like, what sounds good? Let's try this. We know what these instruments yeah. sound like, you know, that's more final arranging than, yeah, most of the, I don't know. Cause we were like changing songs like the day before we went in the studio and in the studio. So yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's there, there has that, I have to be, I have to have the jazz brain be flexible, but then the classical brain be like, no, there are, there are notes that are correct that I need to play and execute with like yeah. precision, but, um, yeah, I, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely an element to accepting mistakes and accepting when things are not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, and also accepting improvisation because, you know, a lot of like, Oh my gosh. So I just listened, I just had to learn Waterfalls by TLC, <laughs> which you can just learn the song. Like you can just learn because it's four chords, right? Right. You can just learn E flat, whatever it is. I don't remember, but it's something off the top of my head. <laughs> you can just learn the four chords and you can play Waterfalls by TLC, or you can learn the transcription of the baseline of TLC because it is incredible. It is an absolutely, and it's improvised. Wow. It was, it was a totally improvised baseline and the, the, the guy just nails it. He just absolutely destroys the song and it's so funky and so exciting. And he was just that good. He, they were just like, play bass on, on this TLC record. And he was like, okay. And then, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds easy. It's a four chord song. It's the nineties. I'm playing a five string and the song is now nasty, like <laughs> just amazing. And so I don't know. I want like, but I don't, but I don't want to, do I want to be that person? Maybe. Cause usually if I do, if I do improvise something on a bass for somebody, it's happened a couple of times. They're like, come over, play the bass. Right. And you know, and we'll listen to it like once or twice and then I'll play it. And they'll say, that was good. I liked it. Like I, I liked what you contributed. I think we're going to keep it. And my brain goes, 
I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but I'm not. I just had this other new idea that I didn't play. Yes, <laughs> that we need to spend an hour on. I don't know. Right. It's nice that it's it's nice to have people like like it's nice. It's good to like be neurotic in your own way to get the product that you want. But it's also nice to have people around you that say, "I think that's enough." <laughs> Yeah, I think you, you did got great. It. <laughs> you did great. Go take a nap and sit in the sun or something. Yeah, eat food. Like you, you look stressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what helped having Paul Clemson in there to like, he was just as enthusiastic about the process. You know, it's as if he was our age, you know, in the band with us. And, you know, we were just getting to know him. And, you know, he was, he was using the engineer brain to kind of help our ideas get tracked more efficiently because what he noticed, um, you know, the layering of the music, but also how, you know, effects like, oh, everything is open to having effects on it. Like there's no, it could be a snare hit, it could be vocals, it could be whatever. So he set up a like an effect station just on a table you just took a, a mixer and ran you know like a few lines for like different pedals synths um the sam different sampler options the, the you know hannah's uh what is it the S sp404a and then the spdx drum pad um yeah and but then as he was sending all that back into the board he also did I think he did just a like an aux sends channel for just a wet channel. So he everything we tracked had a wet channel that he could like manipulate in real time. Cool. So there's you know however many dozens of minutes of <laughs> just like oh yeah while you were doing this piano track and the overdubs I was just messing around with different pedals and textures that you can toss in. And that saved us time because usually it would be like, oh, we do the thing and then we spend a chunk of time in mixing, trying out different effects or we, you know, oh, play that same thing you just did, but I'm going to, we'll run it through the pedal board. And then it's, you know, and yeah. taking time to set that up. Now it's just, oh, it's an always on wet channel that's always going to track and it adds wow. more tracks to the session, but it adds more colors and options on the fly than just, wow you know and i was like that's so smart <laughs> it's like having a live sound engineer in the recording studio yep it's manipulating your sound like wow yeah so like yeah it just another cog in the machine yeah and very like you know little you know like with hannah's tune um it's one we've we've played before it's like a um a song in or out and uh it's like a you know bluesier soulful tune i guess not full leaning into the blues but like a you know a soulful like love song it's like are you in or out like you keep mixed messages but uh <laughs> Do you remember i don't know if you ever watched uh i think i think it was in aladdin like two or something they had a song called in or out have you ever heard that song yeah that it's like a it's like a men's chorus 
song. Whenever I hear somebody say in or out, my brain immediately just goes, are you in or out? It's oh, it's like, it's like jazzy. Yeah. Be with me. Give a shout. Ha! It's like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine your song is not like that. <laughs> not men's chorusy. Um, it's not a, it's not a, a cover of the, one of the songs from Aladdin too. The classic Aladdin number. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, well, you know, PK, he, his suggestion was very simple. You know, it was like, what if, like, since, you know, Madison and David were in there, he just did a hybrid brain thought of like, all right, David, you keep the ride pattern going. And then Madison, you just worry about hi-hat snare and then dragging the kick on like the fourth beat. And that will be the rhythmic texture for the verses and we tried it and we're like oh this is it's it's just different enough where it is you know different from how we were playing it and then how you know even different enough from how we were rehearsing it but it added a lot of character just from yeah those little changes it's like oh now we have we're thinking cross brain of you know what david and madison were kind of already doing like how do we complement each other rhythmically pk as a yeah. producer was starting to have us think in that mindset with just a simple suggestion and um yeah it's cool when like outside ears can just be like we'll try this and you're like that dude what what <laughs> how did this happen and that's a, that's something that requires multiple percussionists right yep it would require yeah and yeah. that sound, do you ever, do you ever, are you ever, are you ever concerned with, because I hear this, I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot from people that are going into the recording studio and they want to, they want to like add something to their music that they won't be able to do live or will be more difficult to do live. And then they get concerned with the audience's perception of the recorded music versus like the live version. Yeah. Because they get concerned with like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to play live with tracks. Right. So this like acoustic guitar and synth pad that is in this song is just not going to be there live, for instance. Yep. And they get like all concerned about that. Like, oh, what will what will they think? <laughs> yeah, they won't love it. Um, and, I, and that doesn't matter so much to me unless it's a really crucial part of the song. But I'm also not against playing with tracks. Yeah, and I have to always make that concession because there are so many keyboard layers on all of our tracks. Um, it's like I only have two hands and I don't want to have to bring, you know, four different keys stations and, you know, soft synths to like, you know, replicate all the textures on the album because I even with four keyboards, I only have two hands. The closest I've seen to somebody doing that recently was um, Hiatus Coyote's Tiny Desk. Like the Ooh. key, the keyboard player had like, you know, three stacked things above a Rhodes, and then like a, I think just a, a MIDI piano sitting in like a spinet piano casing, and then like a Mellotron Mini digital synth. And the way the music was arranged, it 
it was like, oh, okay, for this song, he's using all these keys, but he's only using this patch to double this part. And then he's only using this texture for this part um, versus how most of the Earth Radio stuff can happen is I'm doing full takes of keyboard instruments and then we're parsing through the layers um, after the fact. But we... You know, with I think of like after the plague, the single we put out this year, um, it it's got so many like so many layers that are harder to replicate live, and we had like we we haven't added it to like our regular performing arsenal because it is like a you know it's a, definitely a song that was built more in the studio um, with all the layers. Uh, but we do think about how to, you know, what way do we want to replicate it live if we can't do everything that's on the track? Um, what things to pick and choose? And that, you know, it turns into like the fact that every station other than percussion and drums has effects options for texture and for uh, you know hannah's stuff for looping um and that can help get the spirit of those recordings but we also understand that we're going to be crafting the live experience versus the studio experience and um i know (laughs) if we're if we were talking about like yeah we should do tracks i'm the one who's going to be setting that up so i'm like okay so that's a new responsibility yeah and i'm like okay so now i need computers that can run uh and then i have to i could use my xr18 as an in-ears rack but nobody wants to use in-ears so i gotta (laughs) it's like it's just concessions that are like if you know with every decision it's not just like we should use tracks it's like now we have to have this at every rehearsal we have to have you know i have to learn you know i'd probably get ableton to like run everything efficiently probably yeah well and then and then there's and then there's probably a metronome involved right yep and and earth radio doesn't play with the metronome not the like some of the tunes for this record we did click but live yeah it's like anything could happen we could speed up a thing that wasn't normally sped up you know most of our songs kind of fluctuate tempos and meters so it's like Mm-hmm. yeah there's gonna be or even just the simple thing of like is the band energized or tired like that'll impact the tempo <laughs> um i was watching your i was watching earth radio play at uh the listening lawn uh at the beginning of the summer what was that in june oh yeah i think, I think in june was that performance and i was there with uh maggie Heron and uh i was just we were commenting on i was looking at madison and justin and i was like like they're not wearing ears they're not using a metronome they don't need it like they just they're just that they're they're that tight they're that they're that good they're you know and the bands the bands like really tight and that's it's it's awesome to have that freedom to be able to manipulate tempos as you see fit yep yeah because i i definitely see like you know we mentioned production value like i see the you know, a keyboard player I follow on Instagram, Kyrie Tyler, he, um, 
he is one foot in the contemporary gospel space and one foot, you know, producing shows for pop and hip hop artists, uh, you know, producing bands and stuff and arrangements of their tunes with all the like extra hits for the dancers and all the, you know, the light show. And I see like there, there was a clip of him. I think it was his band where they, they like got to the end of a track and they were holding and the drummer's like doing a cymbal wash. But then in that cymbal wash, the click for the next song is changing. And then he's like already getting it in his head and then do, 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 like kicks it in seamlessly. And like, that's really cool. And then it's also cool when, you know, we'll morph in and out of a song just because like, you know, like, Oh, Justin's pedaling the rhythm for over again let's we're gonna slowly transition yeah. into that tune mm-hmm. um so yeah there's there's fun elements to both <laughs> and i do i do think like if you're gonna have tight production you're already gonna have to be a tight band <laughs> um pretty much like it's hard to yeah because those tracks will fail like you can't just ex- expect them to always work all the time because you could be in a place where like oh is it the wi-fi that's affecting it like with yeah. or is it the location or is it the power or is it you know your computer just... situation or yeah or does the computer just not want to work today <laughs> <laughs> there's a great chance of that there's a great chance that your computer will say nah, i'm tired <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna open that program you've opened literally every other yeah. day of your life <laughs> yeah i don't think so it seems looks like there's another instance of this program like already running dude sorry i can't really i check task manager <laughs> your computer's just gaslighting you yeah like, no you already opened that <laughs> it's like no, no i, I didn't, didn't. <laughs> that's why i'm clicking on it <laughs> and i don't see it in the in the task manager not in the processes anywhere what have you done (laughs) yeah and then well and and i see people like um anomaly when he was you know running his band on tour they're all like he he even says that there are parts of songs that he doesn't have mapped so it's like a hybrid like things mapped to a an ableton session that is mirrored in the rest of the band and everyone has stuff that relies on the master clock for MIDI and, you know, tempo changes and stuff. But then there are times where Anomaly is having to like, as he's playing, like, oh, this isn't an automatic patch change in the song. This is me having to trigger this or me having to trigger this effect. So it's almost like a musical where the music is arranged and rehearsed but then he has different cues as the band leader versus the bass player versus the like everyone's kind of working in a different like not fully technology dependent setting but also technology heavy setting (laughs) Jeez, it's like so many ways to put on a show i guess (laughs) why do we do this (laughs) so much work yes so much work incredible amount of work yeah or again and you know and so this goes back to like (laughs) spend the money or make the money spend the money take the time 
and then nothing. <laughs> it's it, possibly like possibly, uh, but not. I mean, you know, just for only from a financial standpoint, because right. I don't really like. If I do, if I do make that thing that I feel really good about, and it does make me, it it brings me joy, and it makes me happy, and it makes me feel like this is me, and this is my art. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be hugely disappointed about like the dollar sign at the end of it, because mm-hmm. I'm still gonna say like, well, that I, as long as I was like happy in the process, like right. there's nothing worse, there's nothing worse than like trying to do the creative thing and make the art that makes you happy but the process of it is really difficult mm-hmm. like making that process better for you and for your bandmates if that's the case and for the people around you is like probably i don't know 90 percent of the time gonna lead to that being a better product yeah yeah it's yeah it's very it's very rare to have like well, I don't know if, how rare it is. I think of like the I don't current know, pop climate of like people uh, who have like a whole team behind them to make them into s- pop stars and then they just have yeah. to show up and do the thing. <laughs> and of course there's like there's like James Brown, right? Who was probably really mean to his bandmates sometimes. I mean his band, right? Not yep. even his bandmates. Like that's a stretch to even call them like bandmates. It's really yeah. just like, no, you're just an extension of James Brown. And he point. was making most of the money from all the shows too. Yeah. And docking and was pay treating, on stage. <laughs> literally, it was like you don't make as yeah, you didn't play that good today, so you make less money than everyone else. Yeah. Like just that like that's so stressful to create. But then to create this music that is like so impressive and powerful and enjoyable out of that situation. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's interesting to see the the people who I don't know. It's it's hard to be like super micromanagey and uh like also I don't know. I feel like you can I think of like you know, like Esperanza Spalding, a lot of her music is very detailed, but there's also a lot of space in it for artistry to kind of express itself from individual players. And I think of like that album that I have the vinyl for. Um, she did an album in like 72 hours and it was all live streamed. And, Whoa. you know, like, oh, it's Robert Glasper. He's here at two in the morning and we're going to teach him the song as i'm tracking the bass part (laughs) and like she's being super specific of like you know she's tracking her part and also being like and then i want you to kind of like hit this part and then the melody's gonna come in and i'm like how your brain is like esperanza is seven brains (laughs) her brain is literally like over here like here's the corporeal form of esperanza spalding and her brain is like over here but this is the one that's controlling the bass. And then this other brain is everything is the voice and everything else that's going on. It had, it must, it must be separate and there must be multiple brains. Yeah. Cause it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense how she should be able to think that hard all the time. Yeah. And like putting out like early in her career, like here's me doing the classical thing. Here's me doing the jazz thing. Here's me doing the R and B soul thing. And then to, you know, 
go like, I'm now in Fusion Town writing about an alternate personality that I've named Emily. And I yeah. here's a whole album about different body parts that I wrote in a castle. And here's, <laughs> you know, like her la- latest album came out and it uh, formed Wella. And it's like a song or it's songs that explore... Yeah, it's it's songs that ex- she wrote with the songwriters apothecary lab, and it focuses on music therapy, but not specifically just like, you know, like, oh, yeah, if you teach someone to play guitar, they have that it, outlet as a human to express themselves and find some joy. It's it was like getting into the nerdy weeds of it, like the intention behind words and lyrics, the arrangements you know like not everything's just it's a band it's like some of it's just her and bass some of it's you know like a full band with strings some of it's just her and another guitarist and she's not even playing bass she's on piano and Hmm. um and yeah just the the exploration of like music therapy through arranging and sounds and and she was i think the 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 lab itself has three different locations and she spent time in all three locations uh, working with different artists. Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't know, like the people who are so detailed, like I doubt they take other input, <laughs> but they might, they might hear it and just be like, cool. Um, let's stick with my idea though. <laughs> great job that was a thought uh not the right one but it was a thought (laughs) Mm. um yeah and and then you know conversely it's like how much thought is like i don't know anyone i say someone's gonna get mad so like how much thought is like uh katie perry people we want them to get mad yeah, this anger drives mad. the algorithm. Um, if you're not mad, you're not paying attention. Right. Um, you know, like, like how, like Katy Perry's not sitting up late at night being like, oh, it's, uh, what is it? California girls, what could it be about? It's like, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's more, she's already way past that. You know, someone's already written those lyrics for her. She's just performing it. And now she just has to worry about like, all right, I got to work with the choreographer, got to get fitted for wardrobe. I got to start, you know, going to meetings about the tour coming up. Like there's more of the business artistry than like, you know, it's, it's an entertainment thing as much as it can be, have some artistic utility. I don't know. Entertainment versus artistry always, you know, (laughs) you can get like on the extreme artistry end you get like you know like john coltrane's free jazz era and you know like oh it's so far removed from what the general populace thinks about music and only a handful of people are going to latch onto it and find creative meaning in it versus like you know uh despacito being streamed like literally it it's streamed so many times that it's like everyone on the planet has listened to it at least once. <laughs> yeah. Like with the, the metrics and that's just on like YouTube. impossible. Like not to hear that song. It's insane. Yeah. So there's like that yeah. broad of an appeal 
it's like it's a dance song that it's born out of latin music dance tradition but is in the crossover market for american clubs but is also in a movie like you know it's just apparently the most universally liked song <laughs> according mm. to numbers but it's that good huh <laughs> it's so good well joe I... biden likes it so <laughs> i want i i want to find a clip of him saying despacito <laughs> <laughs> just like the, unironically the <laughs> yeah i like i like that band uh uh that fella despacito Desp despacito <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of those despacitos trying to get into our country that's why i advise that's... to strengthen our borders it's like sure. all right cool yeah oh 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 <laughs> here we go the segue yeah it's always the approachable it's... <laughs> ever since uh pokemon go to the polls i've just been like trying to pokemon go to the polls yeah I quote hillary clinton said that when she was running and yeah just, just like all right uh, <laughs> uh yeah uh, are, this doesn't make you cool <laughs> love it yeah i love hearing i love hearing politicians just prove how out of touch they are yeah <laughs> so awesome pokemon go to the polls <laughs> it's like all right i'm not it's, it's like do you want people who were gonna vote for you now not vote for you because of the cringe or <laughs> it's like there is a cringe uh, you know i don't think if, if there was but... if there was somebody that was if they were if they were like on the fence if somebody was on the fence about hillary clinton <laughs> yeah. i don't think that that was gonna be the deciding <laughs> It's like that. That does it. I I can't like Pokemon. Take <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a millennial. Yeah, I I've played a little Pokemon here and there. <laughs> yeah, Ash Ketchum. The polls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you. So I, in terms of all the projects you do that we mentioned, you know, ten years ago when this podcast started. Um. Yeah. The uh, uh, Hacky Turtles. I've seen you with them. Uh, yes. Melophobics. I've uh -huh. seen you with them. Um, have you been rotated into Grooveground at all? Grooveground I have music? not played with Groove. I have not yet played with Grooveground. Okay. So that's still I have not yet very... done that. Um, or, there's, yeah, a, there's, another, there's another bass player. Uh, I can't remember his name. I want to say his name is Jackson. but um, Okay. Yep. I can't remember. I can't remember, but um, I have not. I was going to. I was going to track a song with Grooveground last year, and that got uh, that 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 there was a COVID thing that happened, and so I could oh. not go. Yeah, because so I, I was the studio, and that was the day that Babyon's called Justin Avdek. Yep, and I think you and Justin were at Third Coast. Yeah. Yep. And, and it all just came together last minute <laughs> and, yep and then justin was able to go fill in that spot for me so <laughs> i have so i have not yet made the break but i but i played a lot with Daviance uh with uh the elijah rest collective right that's that's probably where the crossover brain is thinking <laughs> yeah and coming up soon we're playing uh we're playing an event with hutch green as well oh okay so that's a really interesting lineup and that one is myself with Hutch 
Davion's on the drums, Michael Pierce on electric guitar, and Mark Lavingood. Wow. On <laughs> on whatever Mark Lavingood decides to play. I assume some dobro and some some mm, steel and yeah. maybe some some mandolin. And for anybody who doesn't know, Hutch Green is is this new uh, country artist persona that I'm a part of, which is Mark Canets, the singer of the Hacky Turtles, is now doing a doing a country thing. Cool. And he's got <laughs> he's got loads of songs. They're great. And you know, Mark is a he's an excellent lyricist. Um, and he's getting a lot better at songwriting. Like over quarantine, he really broke into the whole uh, circle of fifths and writing songs and chords and all this stuff and like what uh, what a certain chord can make you feel yep. and all that type of stuff. And he was able to relate that really well to his own music. And so now he's got this whole new avenue. We shot a Dogtown session recently that's turning out really well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, so you have kind of enough like Hacky Turtles being kind of funk, Chili Peppers-esque Michigan rock and uh, mm-hmm. and then Melophobics being like ska, funk, <laughs> Melophobics like a, is a like, blend of things. I hesitate. I hesitate I don't know to ska, call it ska. But... It doesn't have as yeah. It is there is there's a lot of reggae vibes, right? And um, which is like okay, so reggae and ska because originally that's where the ska music comes from, right? Uh, but I just always think horns and ska, but that's not horns, the right rock vein. music, <laughs> and also and also Stefan, the lead singer, you know, kind of sounds like the guy from the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yep. So <laughs> are so are we a, a ska band? And did they open for you know, uh Sublime with Rome, I think? Yep, they did. Yeah. Like once upon a time. And did they play no doubt covers? Uh, uh. so yeah, the, the evidence is is mounting, but um Yeah, I think they use uh, cage free funk as their cage free tag. As, so no boundaries, yeah. but funky. <laughs> yes. So many, yeah, many, many different sounds that I get to play with. I'm going to be playing with Melophobics a lot less. Um, There's not that many shows coming up. And we talked recently about, like, moving forward because I still need a full-time bass player. Yep. Um, And I've had, like, a really great year with them. I've played more shows with Melophobics this summer than I did with any of my other bands. Oh, nice. Which is really, su- which is really surprising. Because for many years past, that was like not the case. And I played my first show with Melophobics in 2020. Mm. And then I was able to do like another 10 shows with them this year. Uh, and we've had, we've had some really great concerts. And it's been really fun, like getting tight with a new band. Yes. And I haven't, I haven't been able to do that uh, since I joined the Hacky Turtles. Because that, 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 took, that took a tour in itself in order to get tight with that band. Um, and melophobics is more difficult. It's the the music is the music is more challenging. It's more it's more involved. It requires me to like play faster. Like when we play this like B-O- BYOB cover by System of a Down. 
that one gets that 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 song gets uh it gets cooking it's uh yeah all the movement and yeah uh-huh yeah yeah but i finally got to a place with them where i like memorized the songs and i memorized the set list and so now we just we we jam out we had we 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 have a lot of fun. We played at the Perrin Backyard Bash recently, and that was one. Of oh our yeah, better. That was one of our best concerts this summer. And then a week before that, we played an Elo Palooza in in Lake mm. Orion, and we played right before the Native Howl. Whoa, that's and cool. the Native. <laughs> they are so cool. They are one of the <laughs> coolest bands to come out of Michigan in the last five years. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, one of, <laughs> one of the one of the dopest. I was so impressed. I've never seen them live before. I just thought they were tremendous. I was like, I want to open for you. Like, <laughs> I want it for forever. Take me on the road. And yeah. so those bands, Bedroom Ceilings with mm-hmm. with uh, Dean. With Dean Chittenden. And um, I feel like there's another one, but I don't know. Maybe that was all of them. <laughs> um, or like, is there two other kind of sometimes projects <laughs> it would be really embarrassing to forget i don't i think that covered oh. all of it but <laughs> well okay so real quick with bedroom ceilings we have um we recorded a new album back in may and we did that uh at la luna in nice la luna recording and sound in kalamazoo uh with alex tobin and maggie Heron. Oh, and, nice. And and uh, Alex is kind of like our guy right now for all things bedroom ceilings. He's kind of like the producer because um, he also recorded the previous album, Another Bulb Burned Out, which was recorded in January 2020 and was mm-hmm. released during lockdown. Um, and so we have this we have this amazing recording team uh, that's built around bedroom ceilings and a really good relationship with La Luna. Um, and now upcoming for our, basically our only performance with bedroom ceilings that we're doing this year, uh, we have Maggie on electric guitar for this Mm. performance. And we also have Adam Danis from Kalamazoo. Oh uh, yeah. Bass. Oh, bass. Interesting. I know. Uh huh. (laughs) I was Uh going to say like drum, uh, bass. Not on the drum. Whoops. Nope. (laughs) Nope, Adam's gonna slay some bass. He's gonna come pluck with us uh, this Saturday. Uh, nice. So it's myself and Alec Kleinfelter on the drums from the Patty Prashela band. Oh yeah, the shirt and uh, and Dean on vocals and piano, Maggie on guitar, and Adam on the bass. That'll um, be a fun band. We're only play- we're we're only playing like a thirty minute set, but we're very well rehearsed for it. And yeah. it's it's been really great to collaborate with uh, some Kalamazoo musicians this year and it's basically because we recorded that album in luna yeah there's a lot of great players down there yeah and a lot of great people who you know they sneak in to like play that scene and then they develop something that you know like a i think of like jordan hamilton or you know like a lot of the drummers that come out of western that go on to like you know play it in bigger music cities um you know, there's just a lot of like, there's a lot of talent. And I feel like 
sometimes Kalamazoo gets reduced to like, if you're an audience member, it's like, okay, bells, if you know, beer and shows, or like yeah. maybe you know of some of the other venues that are in the downtown area, or you've been to the Kalamazoo theater for like a bigger show once. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's so much like, there's so much just like talent and culture. And I think of like the, the jam sessions that they used to take place for years at the union uh, before it closed. And now that energy is kind of taken into the Dormouse theater, um, yes. which isn't a restaurant. Yep. So it's more art focused. And yep. that's a cool, like kind of pivot from just like being this awkward stage in the center of a restaurant that some people might tune into to like yeah. being an arts cultivating space. <laughs> yeah. Dormouse is, is now they're doing jazz jams down there uh, on Tuesday nights, I think. And right. They are uh, exploring more ideas for collaborative musical experiences for uh, the community down there. Um, and I'm really interested to get more, more into that. I was born in Kalamazoo. Oh, nice. Um, so I have like, and I lived, so I lived in that part of Michigan for the first, um, you know, 10 years of my life. Uh, so I was very young when I moved to Grand Rapids, but uh, spending a lot of time down there recently for a number of reasons, you know, music being one of them uh, has given me like a really good feeling about that part of Michigan and the type of art that is going to come out of that in the in in the future i think it's i think it's really exciting yeah yeah and it's like you know i i've met a lot of like during my time there when i was at western like just meeting a lot of players who um you know obviously there's the skilled technician people but every everybody i met that i that stuck in my head they all had a lot of just personality like a lot of artistry already there even if they only were like, Oh, I'm just a jazz pianist. It's like, nah, you got, you've got a distinct character to like what you're doing and how you're performing or like a Jordan Hamilton. Who's like, you know, I'm a classically trained cellist, but I also can rap and sing and loop and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and be endearing and <laughs> man, he can, yeah, he can play. I loved that. Um, that release from Jordan Hamilton, Jared Selner, or Sasquatch. Yep. And the lasso. Yeah. Really they cool. That was that was released what? Like a, a day or two b before Jordan's accident? Or is this like very I, Yeah. Soon, very like recent that. in that. Yeah. And it was the per and I just and I just adored it. I I love that record. I think it's it's one of the coolest, like uh like I don't want to say lo-fi because I don't want to diminish the production of, of the record, but right. One of the, one of the coolest like jazz and experimental releases that I've heard in quite a while. Yeah. And especially like I was, I was talking, I think I was talking to probably the earth radio bandmates. Cause I've been seeing them every day the past week, pretty much. And, uh, the fact that it, it was either them or Steve Leaf, but um, the lasso is kind of like 
like he's got the aesthetic branding for the artistry really uh-huh. well done and then like incorporating two other distinct person like everyone who knows sack squatch knows like what he's about how he plays how he's just you know a very like on the ground presence in the diy scene but also gets yeah. you know to do other stuff um and then yeah to have like a jordan hamilton who's very much you know already has his own personality but also works with last gasp like to have a project come out uniquely like that where it's not just like you know i I think sometimes of like jazz focused records where they're bringing other people together and it's just kind of like okay these are kind of songs where like all right yeah i've heard him play all these licks before like this is cool but it's just kind of like yeah like fan service or it's you know kind of boring or or the same whereas this project definitely transforms how all three interact it's are perceived in a way it's so it's so thematic and so it's so engaging and consistent and interesting like the way that the album just the the arc of the record and and i love the name of like try and i magi magi i'm not yeah. exactly sure how to say that but it's just the idea of like that there are these three people that are basically wizards we're talking about right that are yeah. <laughs> creating this sort there's like there's alchemy that's happening right in this record and that's a perfect name for for the collaboration because of the way that they speak to each other in in the music and i love how how interesting it is to hear the saxophone and the cello almost occupy the same frequency range at certain points in the album and you kind of like are listening and you're like was that which one was that <laughs> what yeah whoa it, it's just, yeah like what am i hearing um that i think of uh thinking of like i don't know a range i guess it would be under arranging but just kind of a happy accident if it wasn't intentional but um I don't know if you follow Charles Cornell at all, the YouTuber pianist oh, dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he uh I liked I liked him better when he was less popular. But yes. <laughs> he I yeah, I don't it's funny because like I found out about him as a meme and then, you know, mm-hmm. then he started doing the educational content and I'll I'll check stuff out here and there because it's like, oh, I'm a keyboard player and I almost went to NEC. I think he went to NEC, but um might have been new school or or no he was it curtis i don't know he went to a jazz school but not that any sees a jazz school necessarily only but um he did a video about how he was like this chord saved star wars you know interesting premise yeah i saw that thumbnail Yeah. yeah it the 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 unintentional or potentially intentional thing that they do with like because he he basically just explains like oh the lead up to this moment and you know i don't know who's gonna watch this spoilers for rogue legacy (laughs) um (laughs) spoilers um i don't know if you've seen that movie though rogue legacy or have okay no i haven't no i'm i do you not care (laughs) no i don't go ahead okay it's it's, the the disney star wars stuff is fine but 
yeah it's it's definitely like it's i'll have to come back to this thought because i was thinking about art price too the thought of uh you know people seeing themselves in art doesn't necessarily mean it's you know cool like the best any best is subjective Uh like yeah art prize is indicative of that with like one of the popular things is literally just a mirror (laughs) it's just like a slanted thing you can see yourself in it's like that was my favorite the thing that had me in it um (laughs) (laughs) i vote for that yeah i'm voting for me um but uh i'm sure there's other reasons but maybe not um but in in rogue legacy or rogue one not rogue legacy really rogue rogue legacy is a game rogue one um, Oh, okay well i have seen rogue one okay yeah rogue legacy was a game i was looking at i just trusted you (laughs) i really i'm a star wars (laughs) they made another star wars movie with the word rogue in it i guess that makes sense yeah i wasn't in the writer's room well and and there's also like rogue squadron the video game and i don't know rogue um but at the end of rogue one like where you know darth vader gets introduced and it's like they build up the the thematic music to a point and then it gets quiet and then um they they land on a g minor the the orchestra lands on a g minor and then when uh that chord resurfaces as like the surprise it's darth vader the lightsaber tone is an e so it turns it into a diminished half diminished chord (laughs) and it and it's like you know like whoa like thematically like they took the thing that we all had heard previously and it changed because this very striking moment happened in the canon of the story which everyone's going to be surprised by but it's heightened by the musical context and then the lightsaber is it darth vader's lightsaber yeah like when it when the tone of the like yeah it was just like like just it's an e and (laughs) whoa and it was like that's crazy but then that's sweet on top of that as he starts fighting the you know the people in that spaceship hallway um he's swinging the lightsaber and the tone of the lightsaber swinging is an f sharp and the orchestra is in g minor and then they they Mm. move the key down to e flat minor because they're trying to do like you know moving in thirds is a great way to just like jump from key to key and they try they're trying Uh to get back to c minor so they move to e flat minor which has g flat f sharp in the key so you're hearing this dissonance of like oh this thing's happening and then like he does like a more powerful move and the key changes down and the lightsaber is now back in the key and you're like what did they do this on purpose no way (laughs) like that's insane if they like did they do it on purpose i don't i would have to look it up but if they didn't it's the craziest accident (laughs) that's like that that's that's a great that's a great little insight to cinema like that and i have i haven't considered that but um sound editing and all that stuff is really interesting but in that instance it would be really funny if they were like if they were trying to if they were trying to pitch the lightsaber to go with the score and then the score was in like a different key for instance like say say we're talking about like you know if it instead of like g minor it was in like a minor b minor or something like that and then they tried to like pitch the lightsaber and everybody was like that lightsaber sounds kind of 
high. Because <laughs> F sharp, F sharp sounds like a good note for a lightsaber. Like I can hear like a nice like little drone over like F sharp. I don't know what yeah. three or something. Right. Like that would like sound pretty cool. But I can also I can also imagine that like hearing like hearing like middle C on a lightsaber would kind of be like mm, it it needs to <laughs> be a little more. <laughs> It needs to be a little more, uh, like, yeah, more yeah. deeper and war- a little bit like not Especially exact, if it's, but if it's Darth Vader, it, it, yeah, it should, you know, it should sound like, uh, that lightsaber should be more of like an F-150. Right. Not yeah. Like a, not like a Prius. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a lightsaber butter knife. It's like a full sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it it just the thought of like, you know, the ar- arranging of like that. I, I can't even remember originally why I brought it up. What were we even talking about? <laughs> I don't know. We're in the Star Wars portion. Now we're in the, the Star Wars portion of the episode. Why were, oh, we were talking about you were talking about Charles Cornell. Yeah, and I brought him up in his analysis. Yeah, and then, but before that, we were talking about your or no, we were talking about the lasso. And how the yeah uh-huh. the music is this, yeah huh something about like the I don't know if it was the cinematicness or I don't know something led me to yeah tone something led me to arrangements and that movie and that and that content um yeah probably anyway. tones and they'll know what it's, they'll make so Cal- Kalamazoo is is, is yeah. cool <laughs> and there's a lot of cool art that's coming out of there I think is what is what we're yeah, we is took what, the long route. Uh, that's what we're we were gleaming saying. from this. Yeah, yeah. Go to Kalamazoo, see art, um, support it. artists in Kalamazoo, yeah. um, support all the things you're doing, all the bands you're in. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, you know, looking forward. <laughs> if you want, I'm not. I'm not playing a lot of. Uh, I'm not playing like a lot of concerts. This. The rest of this year, I would very much like not to play a lot of concerts because uh, I just need the I need the time back. I need time to go into my cave, which is you know where I'm where I'm at right now. I right. I do all my rehearsing in this space, and I can do some home recording and things like that. Um, but I just need the time to like, yesterday I was going through and I was making this, I was like making this list of like all of the, all of these, like, these are like songs that I'm like, these are done. I'm, and I can <laughs> record them. Yeah. And they've been, they've been done for a long time. And now I finally have this, I, I, I have an idea of like, okay, so for the next rest of this year probably into the the beginning of february i have all i have all the time in the world to um record 25 songs that i've been meaning to record for the last three years right and i just haven't done it because either you know there there isn't enough time or i'm focused on other things or i don't have enough money or anything like that um and now i'm and now that I'm fed up with telling myself that I don't have enough time or money. Yeah. 
uh i'm just gonna do it yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> finally uh and i and i'll feel a lot uh, i'll feel a lot better after it's done and then i'm gonna feel a lot better about reapproaching the music scene in various parts of michigan as a solo performer like as ben steer or as a new pseudonym mm-hmm. that i will feel like i'm contributing to my identity as a performer and as a musician in Michigan, which I feel like I haven't been contributing to for like a long time. And there are a lot of songs that I think that I used to play that people would still like to hear. Mm -hmm. And I just want to kind of remind people that I'm not only a session musician, um, because that's part of my identity right now is that I'm like one of the bass players that you can call for a gig around around town and that is hugely helpful and i so appreciate that but i also want people to see me as a songwriter yep and uh currently i don't think that that's that's what it is yeah it's you know i was reminded of that in terms of how people perceive what you do or sometimes needing to be kind of led to water to drink it in the, in a sense, like I had two different um, requests for background music. One client wanted background pop music and the other wanted just background jazz, but both, both requests weren't from the planner directly to me. It was the planner through a, trusted friend in the space to then source talent and then i connected with them after the triangle established and uh you know one one person was like can you send me like a video of you playing pop music so i can show it to the team and i'm like but then why are you even asking for this other person's opinion? Who's like this person who I've seen do multiple types of things and I've known them and I'm recommending them with my professional opinion. Like, you know, you wouldn't do that with like a plumber. Like you're not going to be like, Hey, show me, (laughs) show me video of you unclogging the sink before I hire you to. (laughs) It's like, they're a plumber. That's they, they should know how to do that. If they don't, then you, you find that out after you hire them and then Mm -hmm. you tell all your friends and then they don't have business and then they stop being a plumber or they get better and they earn the, the trust of the public again. They learn, they they learn something from that. Yeah. It's like, I shouldn't have to like play a snippet of a Bruno Mars song when you could just look at my website or, you know, all of the recordings that I list on that or all the videos Mm -hmm. I have up, like, there's there's anecdotal evidence to the thing you want (laughs) and yeah but some people still you know it's like it's almost like asking someone to like in you know like if they don't have a 3d model of the thing they're going to interior design like it's like hey can you just redo my room and see if i like it (laughs) and then i'll pay you (laughs) and then yeah then we'll talk yeah, then then we'll talk about the real project, even though the thing I wanted is already done. <laughs> Negotiate. Yeah, yeah, I've been um, I've been uh, I've been I've been interested in 
in uh, kind of re redefining my own musical identity uh, because I really enjoy playing all these different kinds of music, um, but there is definitely like certain styles of music that I play that do not define me as an artist. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather, like, I just can't, I just can't wait any longer to start being the artist that I want to be. And I can continue being a session player on the side. Yep. I can absolutely continue to do that. But it's just like, even in, in the, the, you know, the Zannies is as close as I came to being able to realize my real, my, my ideas and my songs. And that was the closest I ever came. And there were still very many things in that group that uh, were unachievable because of the, because of the band and because of our situation and, uh, you know, varying commitment levels, how it always goes. It's like some yep. people are trying to make career moves somewhere else. And that means they're not spending as much time playing the instrument and rehearsing and, and growing. And, uh, so I, I feel like I haven't truly, I haven't like made, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to make my magnum opus right, right away, <laughs> but I am trying to make something that is very specifically my own music. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, and I, I can't settle, you know, I can't settle right. for that. Yeah. Well, definitely the, the right. I feel like the right thing to get into for the fall and winter season, just sinking into the, the creative cave and <laughs> doing, yep. doing the thing that's been sitting. I've, I've been thinking that too, of like all the old clips that I had from, you know, in practice rooms of like, I like this idea. I'll come back to it. And now there's like, you know, 50 of those that I could come back to yep. and see if it sparks a new idea or something. And it's, but, it's, uh, it's really scary too, just because, there's something about like having the freedom now to why I was, when I was working at founders, you know, there's 30 hours a week or 34 hours a week that um, I'm unable to do the craft. Yeah. And every time, and like in those hours, like every day I would go to work, there would always be like some hour or some couple of hours while I was working where I was just like, if only, right? Oh, if only I wasn't working at this only job <laughs> in this restaurant. And if only I was at home with my base, I would just be, I would be, I would be doing what I, what I wanted <laughs> to be doing this whole time. Like that's, that's what I, I would be making the art that right. is going to define me. And then I go home and I don't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if only I wasn't like working this silly little job, <laughs> then I would have all the time. To <laughs> and now I do have all the time. And I, and I'm, and it's, and it's a slow process. It's yep. still very much like, like it just, and it just occurred to me like yesterday when I was sitting, you know, I finished a rehearsal yesterday and I was just kind of sitting there for a little bit thinking like, oh, I need, I have some house projects. Like I could hang a shelf here and I, I could put some more art and I could do some chores and things like that. And I thought, or <laughs> I could write the music that I've been telling myself I was going to write when I had the time for the last three years. Yeah. There you go. And, and I started. 
<laughs> I'm starting to do it. And I'm I'm doing it now. And it is very it's 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 harder than I thought. But it's also like it's it's uh it's very liberating. I for for a very very long time I have always wanted to just be absorbed in an art project whether that be a visual art project or a musical art project and I used to be I used to be really good at it I don't know what happened but like when I was 17 18 years old and I was living with my parents and I didn't have all these responsibilities I would just go to the basement and then five hours later I would come up and I'd be like mom i I, I, I wrote a song and recorded four parts for it. Here it is. <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't be that good, but geez, I made like a whole song. Yeah. I could easily do that. I have, I'm more equipped than ever to do that. But unfortunately there's more to it than just. Making music having, in the basement. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Now I have to make music on, on, on the ground level where there's light. <laughs> yeah i've i have more responsibility there are windows now that people can yeah. see my art in process and i can see i can witness the passage of time while i am working which is horrifying yeah just like it was sunny when i started <laughs> no it's dark <laughs> it's snowing it was just summer <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah i'm looking forward to that too yeah, well, definitely, you know, we'll all, I'm sure, keep an eye on just, like, updates of, like, hey, I made a thing, and then share it out into the ether and celebrate sure. the the progress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, this was a great chat. It was good to finally just sit down and chat. <laughs> I'm glad this worked out. Yeah. I've been yeah. standing the whole time, but. Right, Yeah. <laughs> No, you're just really, really tall. <laughs> it's been good to stand up and uh, and and chat. Yeah, this is really fun. Yeah, where should people find all the things, the bands, the places? Is it all in one spot? Is it in twelve spots? <laughs> I'm gonna put links, so whatever yeah. you want people to know about. Yeah, well, you know, my personal Facebook page is where I drop a lot of information about what I'm doing. Uh, and then there's also my Instagram face with Ben, which I do not, uh, I don't update that a lot. And a lot of what I do is just technique and playing and stuff like that. And it's not as much about promoting what other bands that I'm in. Um, but I am, but I do have presence on the bedroom ceilings Instagram and I have presence on the hacky turtles Instagram, of course. Um, and you can see me live at any of these concerts that are coming up, which again is mostly promoted on my personal. Uh, I guess I have I have a TikTok, but uh, I don't do a whole lot with it. That's <laughs> at, at Viper Bowstring if you're interested in the, in the TikTok content. But yeah, that's mostly goofing off anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Yeah definitely folks will go check those things out um and yeah thanks again for hanging out and chatting i'm gonna go probably eat food before i go get a massage <laughs> which will be a, a nice 
relaxing afternoon. That sounds great. <laughs> I think I'm gonna. I think I yeah I'll, I'll toil a little bit and then I might make some food. Yep. Yeah. We'll to- toil and food. <laughs> yeah. I've got two concerts. I've got three concerts in October that are important. October fifteenth with Hutch Green at Sullivan Field in Grand Rapids. October twentieth in Ann Arbor at the Blind Pig with the Hacky Turtles opening for the Red Knot Chili Peppers and then the 21st in Grand Rapids with the Red Knot Chili Peppers as well. Another show with the Hacky Turtles. And then after that, nothing. <laughs> and just just streaming and 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 I'm gonna like play for tips and stuff like that and uh, just work on the recorded stuff and then emerge next in 2022 and just drop singles all over the place <laughs> just fired them off yeah yeah <laughs> well awesome yeah well you enjoy the rest of your day and i'm sure we'll chat again at some point in the future <laughs> thanks Dutcher. hey everyone so i'm gonna record the outro while he's gone um so if you and by God, we're taking a small pause, but you you wouldn't know that because I'll have edited around it. But thanks so much for listening to Mint Backstage. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find all of the details about the podcast online. You can go to patreon.com slash again um, to support directly all the podcasting efforts, duchessnedeker.com for everything else. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for episode of Mitten Backstage. We're back and and better than ever. (laughs) See you next time.